Welcome to episode number 158, Enduring Reflections. Just a quick note as I begin today. Would you pass this episode along to two people through social media, email, or word of mouth? This time of year always causes reflections of the past. This last year has been difficult for many people throughout the world, from wars and famines to hurricanes and earthquakes, and from pandemics and pestilence to inflation and economics. We have been blessed. Yes, I said blessed. So often in our lives, we do not see the blessings of the Lord because they come in strange ways. The Lord has said that my ways are not your ways. So much good often comes of deep tragedy and suffering. I myself have had one of those years. From losing two jobs because of my autoimmune illness, to visiting the ER twice, to endless days in bed and suicidal thoughts, my life has been blessed. By the way, I'm not suicidal, just those thoughts that enter the mind when life gets tough. And yet I have been blessed with two more grandchildren and a wonderful opportunity to teach seminary. Sometimes our learning opportunities and blessings truly come out of great sufferings. As I have reflected over my personal journey this last year, I have never been more keenly aware of the word endurance. I have reflected upon the Savior's own endurance and how he managed to do so while carefully loving and tending to his people, even on the cross in excruciating pain Almost near death, he was more concerned with his own mother and those suffering at his feet than he was at his own personal suffering. Have you ever thought about what it means to endure from the perspective of the Savior? If we had the opportunity to watch and feel what the Savior did during his endurance of mortality, what would we feel? What would we learn? I have found it to be far more than just the passage of time within a specific trial. Although I probably spent many years doing just that, passing the time, what I have found is simply that it makes a great deal of difference how we endure and learning to understand the why we endure. But let's start with the beginning. There exists no doubt that suffering and mental illness run in the same circles. Suffering is also an inevitable part of mortality. The mortal side of us sees suffering as something to be avoided at all costs. Our mortal body's emotional side is no different. Even our spiritual nature seemingly revolts at the idea that somehow suffering could be good for us. Because our brain is wired to avoid it, suffering any type of pain falls into the avoidance category. Our brain is actually wired to more than simply avoid pain and suffering. The brain preemptively scans our future for possible suffering and avoids activities, people, or places that might cause it. Our mortal bodies were built to avoid pain and suffering. Rightfully so. Pain and suffering are often associated with damage to the body's interconnected systems. So our mortal tendencies lead us to the conclusion that any type of suffering might be doing more harm than good. Our society and culture exude the same philosophy that pleasure and feelings of happiness 
are the main goal of life, neither of which associate themselves with suffering. Everything associated with suffering simply seems to be something we naturally and even spiritually avoid. So when we think about enduring suffering, our mortal body's response is, let's just get through this as quickly and with little pain as possible. Our mortal brain focuses on ending the suffering, but not just ending it. If there exists no real long-term solutions, then the brain quickly focuses on what can be done in the short term. This leads to all kinds of problematic solutions that are, for the most part, not helpful in the long term. I have spoken about these short-sighted issues regularly. Whether it is food, medications, sex, recreation, or other types of pleasure-seeking activities, they all revolve around one thing, changing that chemistry of the body. Now, I'm not trying to say that some types of shorter-term solutions are not valid. Many times we have supplemental medications that provide for a moment in time and are specific to that purpose. And I am certainly not saying that we should not that we should simply bear the burden of pain without modern medicine and understanding. Bearing the pain in that way can lead to dark and difficult places in the mind. What I am saying is that enduring a long-term illness takes a very different approach than a broken leg or a bruise that will eventually heal. When you are faced with an illness that for the present has no end in sight, endurance takes on a different meaning and so should our focus. So often endurance takes on the character of the reluctant complacency and defeat. We give in to the idea that endurance is just getting through the day, not expecting tomorrow to be any different, and literally finding ways to occupy our present to avoid thinking about our current emotional state and what we expect to be a very bleak future. We are just counting the days until resurrection, or at least until our passing into the spirit world, where we will get some relief. It is somewhat like Laman and Lemuel's saga, where we sit in Bountiful and mourn that we ever left Jerusalem. Negativity becoming our constant friend and ally. We mourn the days of our happiness, all while avoiding what lies ahead. We become that person who wears their woes like a badge of honor all while bemoaning how good it could have been with the words, if only. I admit to being on that lonely, self-imposed island of defeat regularly throughout my life. It is not difficult to find oneself talking to the wind and wondering why, me. Amid that wondering a few years ago, I came across a book that at first was difficult to read, it is by one of my favorite authors, Brother Neil A. Maxwell, a previous apostle of the church. The book's title first caught my attention because of the way it presented the idea of enduring. The title comes from the verse from a verse in Doctrine and Covenants in the 121st section. That section of the book is a revelation recorded towards the end of one of the more difficult moments in the life of Joseph Smith. He had been languishing in Liberty Jail for several months during a very cold winter while his friends, family, and the saints he loved so much were driven out of Missouri. I personally had never picked out the particular phrase until I read Brother Maxwell's book. It comes from verse 8, which reads, And then, if thou endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high. Thou shalt triumph over all thy foes. The unique phrase is obviously, if thou endure it well. 
and it is part of the title of the book. I was at that time in my life when I was looking for some answers, and I was stuck on my island of defeat. I had been finally diagnosed with my autoimmune diseases after five years of searching, which in turn had caused some serious issues with depression. I was bemoaning my future and just trying to get through each day. I don't remember really looking for a book of this nature, but as I had read others by the same author, this one came into my purview. The idea of enduring something well had never really crossed my mind. Endurance, for me, was as I have already outlined, more about getting through time rather than seeing enduring as something far different. I was consistently living in the future where I would be happy, but never really arriving in that future. I had never really thought about the idea that enduring could be something I needed to do well. And that word stuck with me. What did it mean? Of course, I thought, I guess that means I could endure something poorly. But what did that even mean? Now, I struggled with the idea for some time, even after reading the book twice. How could I change the way I endured my trials? It was about this time I came to a better understanding of the story in 1 Nephi, chapter 17, where Laman and Lemuel bemoaned their trials, while Nephi saw the blessings that the Lord had bestowed upon him and his family. Now, I was not a novice in church doctrine. It has always been taught that our trials were meant to provide meaningful learning experiences. But I had never really understood that I needed to take an active part rather than a passive seat in my endurance that my personal growth within my trials depended upon me taking an active role in what the Lord was attempting to teach me. It was also about this time that the Lord brought to memory the Joseph Smith translation of that walk from Jerusalem to the Garden of Gethsemane after the Last Supper that the disciples took with the Savior. I have discussed this in a previous podcast. If you review the scripture in Mark, you find an interesting statement about what the Savior and the disciples were feeling during that walk. This is the translation. And they came to a place which was called Gethsemane, which was a garden. And the disciples began to be sore amazed, and to be very heavy, and to complain in their hearts, wondering if this be the Messiah. While the words sore amazed, heavy, and wondering if this be the Messiah could be interpreted several ways, I personally related to them very well. Those words describe in short measure depression and anxiety and PTSD, and of course the depressive nature of bipolar almost identically. In addition to the feelings, I also noted the disciples had done nothing such as sin or experienced anything environmentally that would have caused such a reaction and that internal emotional discord. There existed no apparent reason for their emotional difficulties, except that for those few moments, they could feel a portion of what the Savior was experiencing. Now, it should also be noted that when they got to the garden and were asked to wait, sleep overcame them. This is actually also an indicator or a symptom of depression. Certainly, they did not all of a sudden become mentally ill but they felt the weight of the oppression of the Savior was feeling, at least a portion of it. Somewhere in my mind, I began to understand just a little of what perhaps the Savior was experiencing during the atonement. 
perhaps my own suffering from mental illness was just a small sample of what the Savior passed through. Maybe my suffering lessons had some value after all. What if depression, anxiety, bipolar, PTSD are meant to teach us experientially about the atonement and what the Savior passed through in those eternally defining moments? No, we personally do not suffer mental illness to save another person or to redeem someone from sin. But if our experiences give us emotional understanding, at least in part of the atonement of the Savior, what a blessing it is to understand. We are taught that all good things point us towards the Savior and His redeeming qualities. What if my mental illness was meant to teach me deep lessons about the atonement and the suffering he experienced on an emotional level. That was one of my first lessons as I started the process of understanding the words enduring it well. The next part of my lesson did not come as easily and perhaps it might still be in process at times. One of the key lessons from Laman and Lemuel is the idea of murmuring or complaining. This is the idea that let this cup pass from me can be a dual position statement depending upon our attitude and meaning. Laman and Lemuel frequently stated such things, bemoaning that the cup was too difficult and didn't provide any real value. That in the end, they were better off never partaking of the cup. The Savior's response was uniquely different, and so was his attitude. While asking for the cup to be removed, the Savior understood that even if he didn't fully understand the why, there was a valuable purpose in the suffering he was experiencing. I needed to accept that my suffering might have a valuable why. And being able to say, Thy will be done, being emotionally committed to accept whatever came, was actually where I needed to arrive. That lesson is one that takes time. I don't believe that we all of a sudden progress from Laman to Nephi in one great change of heart. That I can go from, we would have been better off in Jerusalem, to, let's go build a boat, even though I've never really built one. Rationally, perhaps I can get there, but emotionally it takes time, effort, and experiences in trust. Emotionally and even spiritually, it is a learned experience. I think that perhaps this is why the scriptures teach that the Savior learned by the things he suffered. Suffering and trials build trust and loyalty in the Lord. It gives us opportunity to experience difficult circumstances, emotions, and the unknowns of life in a way that the Lord can provide experiential faith or faith through experience. When we suffer the right way and approach the Lord with the proper attitude, our faith can be increased dramatically and our connection with deity augmented. Suffering ultimately allows us to see mortality for what it is, a spiritually motivating and deep learning experience, rather than simply a pleasure-seeking adventure. My third lesson has come as my prayers for relief have not always been answered. As the length of my suffering has been extended, I have often prayed for a more permanent relief and have petitioned regularly for it without much of an answer. 
This lack of an answer has caused me some significant distress and pondering. I have often wondered why no answer has come, as the scriptures are clear about asking and receiving. The Lord is very definitive when he states, Ask, and ye shall receive, knock, and it shall be opened. I have asked far more often than I have been given, at least from my perspective. I understand I don't see all the workings of the Lord, and the Lord has taught me regularly that he is always in the details of my life when I seek him. But there has been that feeling that I have been left alone regularly. I have pleaded and felt nothing at times. I have questioned my faith, God himself, my worthiness, and really everything one can question during times of great distress. Two ideas have come of this pleading with no answer. The first is that we were sent here to learn. If the Lord never took his hand off the bike, we would never be able to learn how to ride a bike. Sometimes we need a little tough love to strengthen our resolve. This doesn't mean he's not running beside us as a good father would. This just means we need to learn some independence and how to work through things on our own. We are training to be gods, and with that comes some tough love moments. The second thing I learned from this experience harkens back to the garden. When the Savior was under tremendous stress and had prayed for relief that didn't seem to come, the scriptures note that he prayed more earnestly. Now, the Savior was perfect, so the idea that he prayed more earnestly was notable. The earnestness in our appeals is actually very important. When we commit more of ourselves emotionally, we obtain a deeper connection with the Savior and the Father. I think that the idea of earnestness leads us to a deepening loyalty and love. We need to stretch and grow our emotional connection, empathy, and charitable love. When the Savior causes us to pray more earnestly, we can find that our hearts grow exponentially towards Him and those around us. We become more compassionate, loving, understanding, forgiving, and ultimately more sanctified. Our suffering, when accomplished with the right emotional connection, attitude, and faith, sanctifies our souls. It purifies our heart and allows us to be more fully allows us to more fully feel and see a larger picture in life. We can, like the Savior, learn by the things we suffer. Finally, because we are mortals and not as the Savior was, perfect, the sanctified process can be a little muddled and scattered. We might progress a little, complain a little, get angry a little, give up, try again, and develop a piece at a time. And those pieces may not fit together right away. Like a jigsaw puzzle, we might be able to connect a few pieces here and there and maybe put together the edge pieces. But the whole picture is not likely to come in this lifetime. Yes, we can certainly get a good portion done, but those final pieces that bring it all together will likely come later. Joseph Smith alluded to this idea that we would have a great deal to learn after this lifetime about our exaltation. But that should not stop us from learning what we can here and qualifying to learn there. For the world, suffering is nothing but pain with little value. For those who suffer with the Savior in mind, suffering is valuable pain. And it is more than valuable pain. It is pain that sanctifies the souls and moves us ever closer to exaltation. 
In closing this week, I want to read the lyrics of one of my favorite songs. It was sung by Laura Story, a Christian singer, and I do recommend it. She was also one of the authors. It has provided me great strength in times when I have struggled, and has provided understanding of the reasons why we suffer. This is the lyrics. We pray for blessings. We pray for peace. Comfort for family. Protection while we sleep. We pray for healing. For prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. And all the while you hear each spoken need, yet love is way too much to give us lesser things. What if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you are near? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? We pray for wisdom, your voice to hear. We cry in anger when we cannot feel you near. We doubt your goodness, we doubt your love as if every promise from your word is not enough. All the while you hear each desperate plea and long that we would have faith to believe. When friends betray us, when darkness seems to win, we know that pain reminds this heart that this is not our home. What if our blessings come through raindrops and what if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy? What if trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights are your mercies in disguise? May the Lord bless you to see him in your suffering and enduring. And until next week, may the Lord bless you, and may you do your part so that he can do his.